Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Steelers fans to another edition of the Steelers Fix podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Betts, joined as always by my good friend and faithful Steelers compadre, not so faithful collegiate fan uh, compadre, uh, Andrew Wilbar, who uh, despite his disgraceful uh, collegiate fandom uh, is is quite the amazing Steelers fan and also quite the amazing uh, draft fan as well. Andrew, we're going to be talking some more 2024 NFL draft today. Are you excited? I am always excited to talk about the draft. We it could be 2024, 2025, 2039. Let's do it. <laughs> uh are those kids even born yet? Uh Andrew, that's the that's the question. The 20 Yeah, they'd be born, I guess. They would but... be born 2039. I'm thinking probably 2045. That's probably when my son's going to be drafted. Uh, roughly, okay. <laughs> you know. We'll see. You know, he's going to get drafted at 17 years old, of course. Um, he'll course. go to college at 15, get his three years, and then he'll declare. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, that's way, way too early to be talking. So let's just stick with our just a little way too early of 2024. Uh, but before we do that, I do want to tell you guys about the Steel Curtain Network and the Fans First Sports Network. They're not all new anymore, but they're still pretty new comparatively. So we're going to keep hyping it up. Uh, follow us. The Steel Curtain Network is all about Steelers football, and the Fans for Sports Network is what brings that network to you, and they cover every sport, every league, and uh, hopefully every team as we continue to grow uh, on that side of things as well. So if you're if you're a sports fan, uh, get your content from the Fans for Sports Network. If you're a Steelers fan, get it from the Steel Curtain Network. We have shows three times a day. This is a Tuesday afternoon show, uh, comes out at noon. And then before us is the cutting room floor with Jeffrey Benedict breaks down a lot of film and a lot of, uh, game planning type things for the Steelers. And then the Scobro show happens live every Tuesday night. You can catch that on audio as well, wherever you get your podcasts that follows up this show, the Steelers fix, where we take a look at what the Steelers front office is looking at. As far as the NFL draft, the team building process, this is kind of our goal here. How do we fix the Pittsburgh Steelers and get our fix of the Steelers at the same time? I like the double meaning there, Andrew. I'm, I'm a guy who loves plays on words. We so, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. But, Andrew, we did last week um, in a show you hosted, we did the, the Steelers' potential top needs heading into the 2024 draft uh, based on kind of the roster build – heading into 2023 players that will be free agents uh, as the season concludes. But uh, continuing our look at the 2024 draft, we're going to look at the strongest and weakest position groups heading into uh, the, the early looks at, at these players and, and the positions that will be coming out in the draft Uh, disclaimer for those listening. Obviously this could all change by the time we get to uh, draft season next year, uh, these some of these players could fall flat. Injuries could mount up. Some of these players could be way better than we think they're going to be and uh, raise whole position groups. So obviously a way too early look here, but we're just trying to get our, our feet wet in the 2024 draft. Andrew, give us just a general thought before we get started on the, the draft class as a whole. Uh, maybe even compare it to 2023, how you would say – these two classes kind of match up together. I think in just about every facet, except maybe one or two that we'll discuss today, the draft is going to be better overall in 2024, pretty much across the board, the talent level. You look at some of the positions that are a little bit weak this year, at least they look to be weak. 
the talent level may not be as far off from this past year's class. It's just that there's so many other good positions to where we may not see as many drafted in the first, in the early rounds. They're just going to fall to later to maybe even day three. Whereas this past year, some of those guys would have been taken on day two just because of the lack of depth in this this past draft. Uh, but I will say, like you said, this could all change. And the exciting part is out of these positions that both you and I have in our notes as the weakest positions, there are a lot of underclassmen at some powerhouse schools that yeah. are not necessarily projected to declare as of right now, but but if they have outstanding seasons and they declare early, we could have strong positions there as well and have maybe one of the best drafts we've seen in the past decade. But regardless, this is going to be a much better draft from top to bottom. You're looking, I mean, this past year, it was, we always find our guys we like on day three, but yeah. it was clear this past year, there weren't just loads of guys. It's like, wow, how are all these guys falling to day three? If someone, I mean, you're going to have another entire round or two of guys that could be instant starters in the league. I'm not saying we see that every year, but this, this past year, we definitely did not see that. It was a day two draft. There was decent value yes. on day two. But by the end of day two, things had started to dry up. There were a few players still left that we were surprised, as we'd see in every draft. Yeah. But there were not, there was not the amount that we usually see that fall to day three. And it's like, man, this is the time to invest in some day three picks. Trade away some of your back end of the roster players to get some picks because there's some good players available. It just didn't seem to be that way this year. And I think it's going to be different this year. It's also heavy at the top. You have several generational talents we might have one at quarterback we'll see what happens wide receiver we definitely have one there's several other positions where we're going to see generational talents in this draft so it's not only deep but there's also some elite level prospects at the top whereas this past year we didn't really have that many of either yeah i agree with you and kind of as an aside based on your assessment of 2023 and it being a day two draft it makes you wonder uh, Andrew, and I know we're coming at this with our black and gold glasses on a little bit, but how was Corey Trice still available in the seventh round with the way this draft class I have no was, clue. man? It doesn't make sense to me, and the Steelers na- snag him, and he's going to be a talking point through the remainder of the offseason here. That's an aside. Let's get into it, Andrew, here. Let's break down before we get to the good stuff. Let's talk about the not-so-good stuff heading into the 2024 NFL draft. Let's start with weakest position groups. Give us your um your third weakest. So we'll we'll go three, two, one here and, and discuss them that way. Your third weakest uh grouping uh heading into this draft class. I'm gonna go with corner. This past year's corner class was one of the strengths of the draft, and it wasn't really talked about enough. This next year this is another position that there's a lot of underclassmen there's just a lot of guys that are unproven and the issue with some of these big powerhouses is that they're not going to burst onto the scene you can project their roles but ultimately the especially in these power i would say power two conferences specifically the big 10 and the sec at this point yeah there's a lot of talent that comes from the secondary but they're so deep I'm just thinking of, you know, the Penn States, the Michigans, the Ohio States. It's so deep that some of these players we think could be first round picks or we may see even as later round picks. They're four and five star recruits. They just haven't had a chance to prove anything yet. So it's hard to project the corner class this early in advance. But looking at it right now, guys that are proven that have already proven something, there's not a whole lot of guys. I really like Kool-Aid McKinstry. He's my top corner in next year's draft. I think he has a chance to go top 10, but after that, there's not a lot of guys. I think Kalen King could do a good job of replacing uh, Joey Porter jr. Spot at Penn state Denzel Burke from Ohio state. I have a late first round grade on him as of right now. And there's a few guys from the sec Marshall from Florida chapel from a and yeah. There's a few guys that could sneak into that late first, uh, and there's some decent depth. There's a lot of nickel guys that may move to safety in the NFL. Uh, but in terms of top talent, you may see one go in the top 10, not going to see that many go in the first half of the round. Yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. I actually, we approached it a little differently from each other, which is, which is great. I think good perspectives there. I kind of mm-hmm. just went with defensive back um, as really a, a weak area. When you look at, at the depth overall, I think, and then I don't know, Andrew, if you're, if you've also noticed, I mean, I, I know you have, <laughs> based on our conversation in 2023, the shift at safety to these hybrid players that are really more like nickel players that can also play safety. It seems like that's that's kind of been a, a pretty strong shift um, as far as that type of specialization. 
you, you don't you don't have that many pure strong safeties anymore even really pure free safeties it's becoming kind of a a hybrid position and uh, is that a trend you think we'll continue seeing or is that something that is just kind of happening right now i know you got safety on your list at number two here um as far as weak positions tell us about the trend here a little bit why why is why is the safety position becoming kind of obsolete at the at the collegiate level from a traditional perspective if you will I wish I had a good answer for it because I still believe in the value of having a good big size downhill safety with athleticism to match. And there's just not that many of them this year. And and, I mean, even that are going to be coming out in future years. I think a lot of it has to do with some of these high schools, especially at the high school level with positional flexibility. Some of these, uh, there's more guys probably than ever coming out of high schools that, may not even be necessarily powerhouses in their own divisions, but there's a lot of guys that are playing multiple positions. You know, you got a guy that's going to play receiver and is going to turn around and play corner, or you even have some guys that are, you know, playing tight end and then they're going back and playing linebacker on defense. You have a lot of these guys that are just learning to play a bunch of positions because that's what their high schools need. And then once they get to the college level, they're, they have the ability to play multiple positions, but they really haven't found their niche at any one spot. And I, I don't know if it has to do some with the amount of underclassmen that have declared as well. And they're just the transition process overall is just shorter, but I think that has some to do with it. Part of it is just, I, I think the way the game is played coaches like just having those versatile pieces. Uh, I, I still don't know exactly what's wrong with having less versatility, but having guys that can play specific roles. I know if you have injuries, that can be a killer if you don't have guys that yeah. are versatile, but if you can stay healthy, there's nothing wrong about having your traditional guys playing their traditional roles. You don't have to have a jack of all trades, master of none at every position because you got to have some superstars that are yeah. just good in specific roles. It may be a little bit old timey for some people, but I like the traditional and guys, yeah. especially if I like the traditional style with the modern athleticism. That's the perfect combination. Unfortunately, there's just not that many guys that have both the body the size to fit the prototype that we're accustomed to. You're looking for a, a, a real Belichickian uh, style of play on defense where he's just got guys that are really good at specific roles all on the right. field. And uh, that versatility, you know, obviously you got guys with versatility, but still Belichick uh, and the Patriots, the way they like to play defense, they like to have guys that fill roles there. They have their, their third down pass rushers. They've got their nickel corners. They've got their strong safeties. They've got these guys that just fill roles and they're, they, you know, simplify the game for them. Don't ask them to do too much. Um, and they play fast football. That Patriots defense is looking like it's going to be pretty good this year, kind of with that philosophy. And you, since you mentioned the Patriots, a lot of people always like, you know, well, why doesn't New England mix and match more, you know, like changing up coverage schemes, whatever? It's because their secondary is almost always nearer at the top because yeah. they just have guys that lock you down in man coverage. When you can lock someone down in man coverage, why play zone? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's I mean, very if, true, you can, yeah. if you can cover them one-on-one on an Island and we wonder how new England gets all these great corners. Some of the guys, I mean, Jonathan Jones wasn't a high profile guy coming out of college. A lot of the corners that have gone through new England, they're not always high profile guys, but they develop them. And they just find guys who know how to cover. They may not have the best ball skills. They may not. That's why I'm excited about Joey Porter Jr. Because you can just put him out there. He's going to cover the guy. He's going to get in the way with his passing lanes because of his length. And that's enough. You don't have to be able to play in the slot at safety at corner and do everything. I'd rather take one guy who's really good at one thing than someone who can be replaced at five different positions, but you keep him because he can play all of them. Absolutely. Let's move on, though, to some other positions that we think – are, are going to be an issue as far as depth, uh, not super strong heading into 2024. I've got offensive guard on here as well. I I don't hate the class, uh, but I, I just don't love it either. There's just not – it doesn't do much for me. The The offensive line class overall, if you add offensive tackle into it, looks pretty, pretty good, but um, you're not going to have a lot of day one picks, uh, especially interior offensive line, and – it's it's a group that has some growing to do. It's a group that that needs this season to get better, uh, so we can see who the standouts really are. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on 
offensive line. I know uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably get to the, the tackles a little bit later in our conversation here, but I mean, um, uh, Cooper BP from Kansas state. Uh, I mean, he's kind of the uh, Cedric Van Praan. I like him at center, you know, but uh, it just kind of falls off a cliff pretty quick for this, this interior offensive line group. Um, and if you want to kind of add center in there as well, but um, uh, what are your thoughts on offensive guard offensive center? Yeah, I like the guard depth overall better than I do center because I really like Cedric Van Praan, and after him, there's a huge drop-off as of right now. There's nobody proven. I'm sure there will be a guy that rises up. There's a lot of X factors that come in with the guard class because you have Layden Robinson, a guy who, when we were looking at the 2023 draft at this time in 2022, he was a guy who was predicted to be a first-round pick by most people. Texas A&M guy, extremely athletic, 330-pound guard. He can just go to work. You don't want to be, you don't want to meet him in a back alley. Uh, he, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna beat you up. Uh, but this year, Texas A&M's offensive line struggled, and they shouldn't because they've got a bunch of talent on that line. They're projected to be one of the best lines in the country again this year. They should be. But a big X factor is Layden Robinson. Can he recover that? round one status i'm not sure cooper bb's another guy he rose late in the year decided to return to school uh but he's a guy zach zinter from michigan decided to return to school you have some guys that decide to return which was probably smart for them even though they would have got maybe gotten drafted higher because it's a weaker class overall last year they are going to get better opportunities to start regardless of where they are drafted if even if they're drafted a little yeah. bit lower they're going to get better opportunities to succeed in the NFL because they decide to go back a year. Donovan Jackson from Ohio State. Yeah, he has so much say. talent around him yeah. uh, with Paris Johnson and Luke Whipler and other guys on that line. Now he's the guy. And yeah. there's a lot of young guys that are going to be on the line that this year. So Jackson has a chance to really stand out. I think there's guys who have a chance to stand up. But like you said, yeah, there's not a whole lot proven yet. We expect some guys to rise, and we may see one sneak into the late first. We may have a couple go early second. But you're entirely right when you're talking about the interior offensive line, not one of the strengths. And it's an offensive heavy draft overall. It really is. It's going to be yeah. offensive heavy. But I would agree that the interior of the offensive line, probably, I would say probably equal in terms of talent to this past year's, if you're going just from top to bottom, uh, as of right now, with the chance of there being a little bit better depth this year. But then again, you're comparing it to a bad class in general. So right. it, I, I agree. I would say it's subpar overall, especially when it comes to depth and its center. Yeah, and then our final um, group, the, the number one group uh, as far as weak positions go, probably the weakest group. It's actually uh, what you and I have probably considered maybe the strongest group from 2023. That's the tight end class, Andrew. Uh, I mean, really, cornerback was was on our list for um, deep and, uh, and good talent in 2023, and now it just kind of has fallen off a cliff again in 2024 this kind of seems to be an ebb and flow type position but tight end again is like i mean you've got brock bowers who could be the best tight end coming into the nfl in a long time he could end up being a, a really really good tight end uh he's he was better than anybody in in this last class uh if you ask certain scouts uh but after that i mean do we even know anybody else andrew <laughs> tell us why tight end is is your is your least favorite position Heading into 2024. Yeah, I'm glad the Steelers got another tight end this past draft because this this is the one position hands down was so much yeah, better in every single facet in 2023. Brock Bowers is the only good thing in this class as of right now. There's a lot of guys with these really thin body types, like really, really thin body types. Guys that are like 215, 220. You can't play tight end at the NFL level at that size. There's some guys that really need to hit the weight room. Uh, one guy who's in the 250 range, Jatavian Sanders from Texas. If Quinn Ewers has a big year, I know they have a lot of weapons there, but he and Xavier Worthy both have a chance to really boost their stock because of Ewers. And I think Sanders has a chance to maybe go late round one. I have a day two grade on him as of right now. Uh, you, uh, An interesting one to watch would be uh, Saidao Trior from Colorado. Not very many people know about him at this point, but with uh, Dion. Uh, excuse me, uh, Deion Sanders, yeah, Deion Sanders going yeah. to play at Colorado, who had great numbers uh, at Jackson State. There's an opportunity for him, if he can succeed in the Pac-12, a weaker Pac-12, I think there's a chance for the Colorado tight end to put up some solid numbers, and he could really boost his stock 
and become one of the top ones. Gavin Bartholomew is a guy a lot yeah. of your, uh, you local listeners will know from Pitt, a guy who can do a little bit of everything, but he hasn't had that e- exploding onto the scene moment yet. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year uh, with that offense. Yeah, I mean, it, you're absolutely right. There's there's some names that have some intrigue. Obviously, um, you've got a, you've got another Iowa tight end. They just keep <laughs> pushing out tight ends. Eric Eric All, who uh, no, no, of, no 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 Eric All. Oh, <laughs> he that guy was such right uh, as as an Iowa tight end about six five two fifty, but. He's like um, six seven two seventy, isn't he? I don't know. He's he did nothing so. at Michigan. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> just, the Steelers uh, might as well just keep Zach Gentry. Don't even <laughs> bother with Eric. Oh, he's so talented, but did absolutely nothing. If Iowa, I was the perfect place for him to go. Tight end, you baby. <laughs> but good luck to Iowa with this one. I don't understand this guy. He was hyped up every single spring. This guy's going to be the greatest tight end Michigan's had in school history. And then he has like two catches, then goes out with an injury for a couple weeks, and then has like one catch the rest of the year. So not all you could want at the tight end position at this point. Ah, another play. Uh, all right. Never heard that one before, have you? As oh, a Michigan... <laughs> not at all. All right. Well, that, that does it for – the groups that we don't like very much. Andrew, was there anybody who was kind of close here? Um, I know you said interior offensive line kind of um, wasn't doing much for you either. Was there any other position group that you were like kind of indifferent on before we go to the strengths on the second half of the show? Not really, especially when comparing it to last year's draft. Like some people would argue that inside linebacker is still not great, but I would definitely take it compared to this past year's draft. Overall, there's a lot of guys with some upside. And I think you, there's a little bit of everything in that draft. Whereas this year you you had yeah. a Jack Campbell and you had a Trenton Simpson. Choose one or the other. They both have their flaws. One's not as good in coverage. The other one has no instincts. So it, you had to pick your poison in some ways. And I think they could both be really good players, especially Campbell. But just in general, you didn't have a whole lot of options. This year you'll at least have options. Consistency is going to be a big concern going into this year. But really, no, I, th- I think these are clearly, as of right now, the – least positions and you mentioned interior offensive line um yeah. i would put center below guard i'm not quite as worried about guard but still overall same concept i think yeah. we pretty much agree that these are defensive back tight end and interior of the offensive line those are the weak positions but there's still some upside at those spots if things fall a certain way and we could just have a stack draft absolutely stick with us here on the Steelers fix don't go anywhere we'll be right back talking the strongest position groups in the 2024 nfl draft It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're back here on the Steelers Fix, brought to you by the Steel Curtain Network, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Follow both on Twitter. Uh, follow myself on Twitter. Andrew doesn't have Twitter, uh, but you can follow me at the Bets ninety three and uh, get all of my uh, amazing Steelers takes. Uh, and you know, I, I I can't recall Andrew ever having a take that uh, did not turn out fantastic. I say that tongue in cheek and uh, with with a, a lot of um you know it just doesn't happen that way so <laughs> well uh, listeners bets does have a pretty good uh social media game so he does a lot of social hey. media for btsc so yeah. he does a good job he's got a good game on his personal account too so uh follow when him. i can when i can get to it yeah uh i try but <laughs> um I, I don't know andrew if it's the same for you but like i sometimes i read social media posts and i'm like wait what are what is, what words are they using for 
for things nowadays. It's like these, these kids nowadays, they, they use whatever they want. <laughs> One reason why I am glad I'm not on anymore. <laughs> I was on for a short time. Yeah. If I ever need to, to like do stuff for like the scouting combine or whatever, I'll get on for a day and then I'm back off. I'm telling you what, it's, yeah. I do not envy being on social media. <laughs> it okay. has its usefulness, but uh, it can be a pain as well. Um, Andrew, let's talk strength uh, of the 2024 NFL draft. Um, there's some position groups that uh, I think we both agree on uh, have a chance to to be ge- so have some generational talents. Um, and, and we'll get to those in a second here. But um, was there uh, your top three here? I'll just go ahead and list them out. You have wide receiver, offensive tackle, and then kind of defensive line edge. Were these, was it hard to rank these three? Uh, or is edge clearly your number one? And then these guys kind of follow behind. I wouldn't say it's definitive, but I do like the reason I clumped D line and edge together was because I think that your best edge guys are going to be four, three guys in the NFL. Yes. You've got a Jared verse. You've got a JT Tui Malowow. You have a lot of guys that are probably going to be fourth best suited for four, three systems in the NFL. So that's why I clumped it together. When you combine the edge rushers with the defensive line, I think that's where the best depth is leaving them as separate entities. I it's, it's a little bit shaky because you have Mason Smith come back from an injury at defensive line. You have a lot of unsure things. You have some guys who need to add weight if they want to remain inside at DT. Uh, so th- there are some question marks, but I think when you put it all together, there's so many talented prospects yeah. at this position that regardless of, you know, we don't may not know the, who's going to have the breakout seasons or who's going to meet expectations. I think there's enough to safely say that it's going to be a deep draft when it comes to the defensive linemen and edge rushers. Yeah, we'll talk about them a little bit more here in just a minute, but let's get to wide receiver. You've got them number three uh, strongest. I've got them number two strongest on my list. Um, let's let's talk the wide receivers because you've got the two guys from Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. and then um, oh, I always forget how to say yeah Egbuka, uh, the the other wide receiver there. Those two guys are going to be incredible players um, for Ohio State this year. You've got so many other receivers here too, Andrew. We could go on for a long time just talking about this wide receiver class. But um, what is it? Is it the depth of it? Is it the guys at the top? What what kind of throws this in the the mix for you as as the strongest one of the strongest position groups? I think it's both. the The two ways to evaluate a class is the talent at the top, like the elite generational prospects, and then how deep is it? And I think this class has both. You have decent depth. You could have five or six guys, maybe even more, that end up going first round. We've seen how important teams are or the importance teams are showing to the wide receiver position now, just based upon how much they're getting paid. So I think you're going to see them go pretty early, but it's all starts and ends really with Marvin Harrison jr. The best wide receiver potentially that I've ever evaluated. Um, And I've been doing this since what 2016. So this is this upcoming year will be year number nine, eight or nine, Mm. something like that. But in that time, Marvin Harrison has the chance to be the best wide receiver that I've evaluated. This guy could be just as good. I wouldn't even start to say, Jeremy, he couldn't be better than his dad. You're the Ohio State fan. You fill us in a little bit more on Harrison. I mean, he's taller than his dad. He's just as athletic, if not more athletic than his dad. And he's got everything. He's got the hands. I mean, w- what is there not to like about Marvin Harrison Jr.? Outside of that, I mean, he plays for the school he does. Uh, that's the reason to love him. I mean, that's that's what sets him apart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, No, not really. I mean, you're absolutely right. There's, there's not a prospect that we've we've seen, um, you know, that from day one it's just different, you know. And then when you're talking about when he's coming out, there are no weak areas. You can't pinpoint them. Uh, route running is fantastic. He knows how to stick a foot in the ground, and get where he wants to go. He can work the sidelines. He's got the speed to get over the top. Um, he bodies out defenders uh, extremely well, great body control, um, a great feel for spacing and for route concept. And um, he's got a subtlety to him that uh, separates him in the route running prospect 
process separates late. He, he's, he's a guy that's just super quarterback friendly as well. Um, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, this is one of those players that you, it's not like, is he going to go first round? It's like, is he going to go number two overall? You know, I mean, you've got the quarterbacks obviously that we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but it, this guy uh, pound for pound, regardless of position, it might be the best player in the draft and might be the best player we've seen come out uh, at wide receiver in, in decades. Uh, absolutely. I, I don't disagree with any of that. And when you look at who could have the top picks and you're looking at Arizona, there's the chance because of their trade, they could have with Houston in this past draft, they could have the first and the second overall pick. And a lot of people are projecting that at this point. Now, if Arizona is that bad, then they're maybe looking to replace Kyler Murray already. But what do you do with that other pick? I mean, could you imagine pairing Caleb Williams with Marvin Harrison Jr.? Oh, man. I mean, that is incredible. That's scary for the NFL. And you don't usually see like scary rookie combination. We've seen some in the past, but they're like always unexpected. It's always this guy, like a late first rounder who, yeah. you know, just burst onto the scene. Not like two guys that could be, if not generational talent in Caleb Williams, of a, a, a clear cut top quarterback who's worthy of going number one overall in a draft with yeah. perhaps the best receiver we've seen in this generation. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy when you talk the wide receiver group, and I mean, it, it, it he just completely overshadows really everybody else, and his own teammate uh, Amika Egbuka is is one of the the best receivers in the country too, and it's like not even on the same pedestal with with Marvin Harrison Jr. And I mean, teams are going to scramble for this guy. He's a guy you trade up for in in the draft, even though it's like, oh man. Am I going to have to trade up to number three overall to get this guy? Uh, an Atlanta Falcons going and getting Julio Jones at number four overall, that type of player, you know, and he's probably long gone by number four overall uh, unless you get a run on these quarterbacks. But um, let's talk about some other names here. Uh, um, you know, Xavier Worthy at yeah, Texas, he's going to be somebody that people are, are keeping an eye on um, how he and Quinn Ewers get, um, uh, their chemistry built up. He he could have a big season. Um, I, I like Troy Franklin in, at Oregon. I think he's a good player as well. You've got guys with different skill sets. Um, uh, Andrew, do you have any slot style receivers that you really like? There's a guy later in the probably mid rounds. I would say Mario Williams from USC. He's built very similar to the Steelers, Deontay Johnson. He's a guy to keep an eye on. A lot of the guys that are going to go early, I feel are going to play more on the outside Xavier worthy. I'm not sure if he has enough physicality to play in the slot because he's only 160 pounds, but he's extremely explosive. Absolutely love uh, his potential. Uh, Romeo Dunze is an outside receiver. Malik neighbors, more of an outside guy. Johnny Wilson, definitely an outside guy, six foot seven, two thirty five wide receiver. I mean, that's a, uh, this is chase Claypool on steroids out. now. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Let's not start any rumors. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Tyler Harrell from Miami. He's a transfer from yeah. Alabama. He can play inside or in the slot. He's a guy that I could see. I, I think Calvin Austin could be have a great year for the Steelers. But if Sun happens, let's say he gets injured again, it's clear. You know, it's just not going to work out. He's a guy I would I wouldn't mind the Steelers looking at as a potential burner. This guy has been hand timed to four one nine forty, and he's gotten laser time four two four. Whoa, this guy's got moving speed. He's going to be a little bit older of a prospect. I believe this is his fifth year of eligibility. So I think he's going to be like 23 or 24 next year's draft. But uh, still a guy who has a lot of experience. He had his moments at Alabama, but Miami with Tyler Van Dyke, who's hoping to have a bounce back year himself. They're going to be relying on him, especially on the deep ball uh, to be available. He's a guy you can play in the slot as well. But I think next year you're going to have a lot of guys that are going to play primarily on the outside, going to be X receivers that can move inside the slot, depending on how, which offense they go to and depend on the scheme. Absolutely. Let's move on from wide receiver. Like I said, we could talk about wide receiver for a long time. It's going to be a fun position uh, group to watch. Let's talk about quarterback. You didn't have them on your top three, but I've got them at number three. I've got wide receiver at number two. You had wide receiver at three and then offensive tackle at number two. But let's talk these quarterbacks here because, like you said, you've got a guy, potentially a generational talent, 
and Caleb Williams. A lot of people already comparing him to Patrick Mahomes with his style of play and everything. And you see some of the off off schedule and uh, and um, you know off platform throws that Williams can perform. Um, but he kind of leads the class here. There's there's a lot of people out there though that think uh, Drake May nipping at his heels as the top quarterback prospect in this draft class and then you've got guys like michael Penix jr quinn yours we talked about bo Nix, um you know joe milton at, at tennessee i mean you've got spencer rattler at um south carolina you know that we we thought maybe had um first or second round pick potential uh, heading into the season a couple years ago you know when when we were talking about him as as a guy with uh potential You've got your own J.J. McCarthy. Well, we can talk about him, too, and see where you think he kind of lands. But um, there's a lot of guys that are going to provide some intrigue. Let me ask you this, Andrew, just kind of your prediction way too early here. How many first-round quarterbacks do we get in 2024? This is so hard because we were seeing a trend the past couple years with guys that could go first don't go first anymore. They aren't valuing the fifth year option. Like they used to. We saw that this year with Will Levis. He fell to day two. Hendon hooker. There were rumors. He could go as high as the 12th overall pick and he falls to the third round. Yeah. (laughs) I, I I struggle with this. Okay. Williams is going to go number one for sure. I will say what's interesting about this class is that you have people comparing Caleb Williams, Patrick Mahomes, which is blasphemy in my opinion, but still (laughs) he's a good quarterback. Drake May, people are comparing to Josh Allen. And okay. then you have other guys. Like, it it's, it's feels like everyone else, but you have so much other talent in this position. It is really strong. I considered them putting them in my top three. McCarthy, he's got great athleticism and a great arm. He just doesn't have any touch. He's got to learn yeah. to just take a little bit off some of those smaller passes across the middle of the field, um, and he'll be all right. Quinn Ewers, uh, he doesn't have – for someone who is – such a highly regarded recruit doesn't yeah. have quite the same maybe level of raw talent that a may or a Williams has, but he's not extremely far behind. Penix is the, I'd probably say is the biggest wild card because of his health. Yeah. He's only had one healthy season, but the year he's had, he's been incredible. Um, Bonix you, um, mentioned Spencer Rattler. I, two guys I would do want to highlight and maybe we'll, the reason I mentioned in this, this week instead of next week when we're actually discussing actual players more in depth is that we're probably not going to be talking about quarterback for the Steelers, but two guys to keep right. an eye on. Cameron Ward from Washington State got one of the best arms in next year's draft, uh, an elite, elite arm. And then you also have Jeff Sims from Nebraska. He transferred from Georgia Tech. There's a lot of hype surrounding him at Georgia Tech, and considering with what he had to work with on offense, which wasn't a whole lot, he did pretty good. I'm excited to see what he can do with Matt Rule as his head coach with a little bit better, a little bit more established coaching staff. I'm excited to see what he can do there. Uh, he should be able to put up some good numbers in a weaker yeah. side of the Big Ten, the last year that we have to deal with a weaker side, per se, of the Big Ten. But that's a story for another day. But, yeah, I mean, you could even have a guy like Jaden Daniels, um, U- DJ Uyunglele. Yeah. I'd like to see Jaden Daniels and Jalen Daniels from Kansas. You have the Kansas guy and you have hey, the LSU you guy. That's going to give people yeah. fits if they're drafted. If they're drafted <laughs> like it's close. Right. Yeah. Or like same round, something like that. Who went to who? Oh, yeah. That's going to be crazy. Yeah, uh, for sure. I just think when you've got a guy like Caleb Williams, when you've got a guy like Drake May at the top, you got to kind of boost the whole group for that. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., it's a shame the injury he had because his athleticism was – was dynamite as well. And you really just didn't see that after the injury. So we'll see how his healing processes come uh, around and, and see, uh, you know, what type of player he can be uh, this next year, but it, it's going to be really intriguing. Any other thoughts on the quarterbacks? Well, the biggest concern with panics isn't necessarily individual injuries. I think it's just the chronic injuries he's had. Cause he's only had one healthy season in college. This has been a, I mean, this was an issue back at Indiana and yeah. it, it's just something like, I, the concern I think is more chronic than anything else. Like, is he just always going to be this injury prone guy because he's, he likes to use his legs and it, that could kill his draft stock, regardless of how good of a season he has. There's always going to be that concern. Can he take care of his body at the NFL level? And can our coaching staff teach him how to take care of his body? Because he's, he's not the biggest dude in the world and right. he, he could get himself killed. 
Absolutely. It, it's going to be a, a major talking point throughout the entire 2024 offseason leading up to the draft is this quarterback room, just like it was in 2023. Very comparable in that regard. Uh, Andrew, let's talk offensive tackle real quick that you had on your list before we get to the main event, uh, the strongest position group that we both agree on, uh, defensive line slash edge rusher. Let's talk the offensive tackles, though, some guys you like and uh, why you like this class. Olu Fashanu from Penn State would have potentially been the number one tackle if you would have declared this year. He's a really good athlete, really fluid for a big guy. Joe Alt from Notre Dame is another guy who has a chance to go top 10. Six foot eight, I believe, 315 pounds. He moves mm. like a guy who's in the 6'4, six, 6'5 six, range. He moves really well. And believe it or not, for a guy who's that tall, he does a good job moving defenders in the run game, regardless of whether he gets his pads in the right spot or not. He knows how to move guys. Leverage. He knows how to maneuver. His hands, his hand placement is unique. His hand usage is unique. But because of his size, you have to get creative sometimes in the run game, and he does what he needs to do to get the job done. Um, but overall, he does do a pretty good job of keeping the pads low enough. Uh, a lot of people really like J.C. Latham from Alabama. He's a guy uh, that the name is slipping me, Jeremy, but the offensive lineman from Alabama – that the Giants drafted a couple years ago, the offensive tackle. Then it's bugging me. I can't think of the name. Oh man, you're putting me on the spot too. Because uh, I remember Neil, I remember, right? Yeah, Neil? Evan Neal. Yeah, Evan Neal. Yeah. I think you're gonna get some similarities in the game between Latham and Evan Neal. That's probably the closest thing I can look at. Both bigger tackles, guys who were really good in the run game. Uh, Latham, he can hold his own in pass protection, but he's he can play right or left tackle at the next level. But then you have Kingsley Suamatia. Uh, from BYU, another 330-pound guy. You got some big yeah. dudes in this draft next big year. Yep. Uh, Ladarius Henderson's an unknown. He may not even declare. You have Blake Fisher from Notre Dame. You have Jordan Morgan from Arizona, a guy a lot of people liked, especially later this past and from this past year. You have Robert Scott Jr. from Florida State. Uh, the, there are a lot of guys that could be that in that mid to late first round range guys that could rise. But I think the reason that this class has such a high floor is because you have the two proven guys at the top that could go top 10. And then you have another guy like Latham and a couple other guys that are more than likely going to go first round. Yeah. After that, the depth will kind of, that will play out through time. Usually offensive tackles, if you're good, you're going to go early or you're not going to go <laughs> at all because if you're the demand is so high for, great tackles because there's very few of them but i think you could see a few in this year's draft which is could be a special class absolutely the the penn state kid is is amazing to watch yeah. um and i somehow some way in my youtube adventures the other day came across his highlight package from 2023 and it's impressive and uh i know it's just highlights but now you got a guy oh i'm sorry 2022 yeah, yes my bad uh, <laughs> it's uh impressive we're, uh, we're, we're mixing the Back to the Future episode <laughs> that we had a few weeks back. Jeremy's reading the Post-Gazette of how the Steelers yeah. paired Broderick Jones with Olu Fashanu, and they're making <laughs> out to be the best duo, and the, they're going to be the best duo in the NFL after an outstanding 2023 collegiate season. <laughs> right? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm thinking, yeah, thinking way too far ahead here as if we're already in that offseason. But, yeah, uh, it's – it was just impressive, and watch out for Penn State if you're in the Big Ten this year. They have uh, the makings of a good team. I don't know if if uh, Franklin can get them over the top, but uh, we'll we'll see how how it goes. They've got some pieces, and this guy is one of them for sure. Andrew, let's move on to defensive tackle and uh, an edge, um, specifically the edge group. Uh, you know that that's what really stands out to you here when talking about these guys. We'll talk about these guys real quick before we head out. Um, Give us your top three or four players here and then um, some depth pieces that you really like. Dallas Turner, if he can have a breakout year for Alabama, he has the chance to go extremely early. I I honestly like the potential of JT Tui Molau better from Ohio State. Yeah. He may not have quite the same versatility as Turner, but I really like Tui Molau's he has the, he is poised to have a breakout oh, yeah. year, and I'm almost expecting it at this point. I'm higher on him than most boards out there. Most boards have him, you know, 10 to 12 range. I have him as a top six player in this draft as of right now. I think he's yeah. that special. Jared Verse from Florida State, 
a guy who was going to be a first round pick this year decided to go back, could go even higher this year. Braylon Trice from Washington. That's the other guy that could go top 15. You got a good four guys that could go top 15. You got two guys that are kind of able to play either or four, three or three, four. And then you have Tui Molo-Au and verse who are really going to be better as four, three ends. Although Tui Molo-Au, if he tests as well as I think he could, he may just be this all world guy that can play wherever. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, Tui Maloa is going to test off the charts at the combine. He's going to be he's going to be on Dane Brugler's freaks list, no doubt, um, for 2024. I wanted to ask you about the other Ohio State guy, though, Jack Sawyer. What do you think of him? I like him. He he gave there were several reps in the game that he gave Michigan some fits. He's yeah. really active with his hands. He's a grinder, and he's also. I mean, he's right up there with one of the best athletes in this draft. He's six foot five, 240 pounds. I think if he can add a little bit more weight, especially in his lower half, there's times where I feel like he's kind of pedestrian against the run. He has a chance to get much better. He has a lot of the technical aspects down from the hand usage to just being positioned right, to getting off a snap quickly, to being squared up in the right place. I think he has a lot of the technical aspects down. He just needs to add a little bit more strength before he gets to the NFL level. If he can get to that 250, 255 range, I think that's the sweet spot for him. He's got a, like a six foot five frame, so he yeah. can he can add it. I think he needs to add more weight though. And if he can, I mean, we're talking about a guy. Maybe the TJ Watt comparisons are going to come at some yes. point or another. I was going to uh, say I, he he looks like a, a Steelers late late first round pick uh, if he were yes. to to make some of those those moves like you're talking about. Yes, he does. Yeah, um, I. I think um, the two guys from Washington um, are intriguing. Uh, Braylon Trice, and then I don't know if you can help me with with Zion. I'll just call him Zion. Uh, Tupuola Fatui? Fatui, I understand that. Okay, Fatui, yeah. <laughs> um, he, if, if Jeremy and I are able to go to the Combine this year, and you know, we'll get our – guides on how to pronounce all these yes. names you know so we'll we'll get to that when the time comes for now yes. just you know laugh along with us i'm just gonna say tupu tupuola tupuola fatui that's what i'm gonna say just like fatui just fatui i like it <laughs> uh those two guys are intriguing to me um uh, washington's got a, a a good team built out there in, in the pac-12 uh, see how they how they play football this year and put it all together but uh, they could surprise some, some people as a potential a wild card playoff team, if you will, kind of like TCU did to, to us last year. But uh, I like both of those guys. They've got some upside as well. Um, and um, Fatui, for his part, has that stand-up ability uh, in a 3-4 like uh, the Steelers probably would target more as an outside linebacker, rush, rush linebacker, if you will. Um, anybody that kind of has some inside versatility here, Andrew, that you like before we go? There's not a bunch of guys yet. Um, I, I think there's there's really not a lot of guys at the top. I mean, you can go to the maybe the middle rounds and you have, uh, like I, I'm thinking Michigan guy Josiah Stewart, a guy who yeah. has some versatility. Uh, you have Reggie Grimes from Oklahoma. There's a lot of guys, not a bunch that I've necessarily done deep dives on yet. I think there's you have two Clemson guys, Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter. Trotter's going to be more of an inside guy. Carter may not even enter the draft this mm-hmm. upcoming year. I'm tending to think that he may not, uh, but we'll see what happens with their progression this year. Um, you have Tommy Eichenberg, who can play a little bit on the edge when you need him to, but he's better on stunts coming up the middle. But he's another guy at Ohio State. There's a few guys with the ability to kind of play inside. Um, are, well, I, sh- I guess I should have asked you this. Are you were you talking about guys you could play inside, inside linebacker, or inside like the interior defensive line? Uh, interior defensive line. I apologize. No, I'm that's okay. so sorry about that. <laughs> You're good, man. You're the good. top guys at defensive line, Michael Hall Jr. Yeah, uh, he's extreme athlete. Had four and a half sacks, I believe, in the first five games this past season. Slowed down a little bit as the year when I believe he had an injury uh, that uh, cost him time. But uh, extreme athlete, Mason Smith, I gave him to the Steelers in my way too early mock. And when we talk about specific players for the Steelers next week, maybe we'll touch on him a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but extreme athlete got a longer frame. Drazan Newton is the undersized guy, but in a is a three-tech and a four-three. He has enough strength to really bully guys, especially if he can create penetration, getting up that <laughs> A-gap, splitting the A-gap. 
He's good at yeah. getting upfield. He's quick. He had a bunch of tackles for loss this past year. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, but then Fabian Lovett is a guy he he would have declared this year maybe a mid-round pick. He has a chance to really boost his stock. He's in that 315, 317 range. He can stay at this weight and probably be a perfect fit for a 4-3 tech. He has the frame, though, if he wanted to go up to the 330 range and be a nose tackle, he's athletic enough to be able to play. And I, honestly, that's what I like to see him being a 3-4 nose tackle lover. I kind of like to see him do that. But there's some there's some depth there. There's a lot of guys yeah. who need to fill out their frame or guys that need to prove that they can do it at their size. But again, so much talent across the board. It's going to be a really good class. We'll touch more on specific players for the Steelers next week. Yep. I've got four words that should make you shake in your boots as a Michigan fan this year, uh, Andrew Wilbar. Tui Malolau, Hall Jr., Sawyer, and Williams. That's Those... five. You added junior. Oh, sorry. <laughs> five words. My bad. Um, those four guys should scare the mess out of Michigan fans. And that those four guys are why Ohio State will uh, get back on track against the, the team up north uh, and and be successful in in that rivalry this year, those four guys. The physicality is back in Buckeye Nation, and uh, we're going to bring it and tear you guys up. <laughs> you better hope so or else your coach is gone. Oh, I don't or, know. Or we're, or we're, I mean, going ahead to one year, we may be playing each other back-to-back weeks and the game's not going to matter. We're just going to save our players for the Big Ten Championship if we've locked oh, okay. up spots a week ahead. But that's there you go. Who knows? Part of it. it is. All right. That's going to do it for us here, though, on the Steelers Fix. Uh, Andrew, it's been fun. Always love talking draft. We'll come back with part three like we talked about. So Steelers-specific players to keep an eye on uh, for the, that draft class coming up. And uh, be sure to stick with us. Uh, follow us uh, on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com as well with the articles we're putting out. I know Andrew's doing some 2024 draft previews there. Um, I've been kind of sticking more towards uh, current events uh, in the Steelers world, if you will. But uh, let's uh, say what? Smart man. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit less research, more opinion in my, in my world right now. So, um, but it's been fun and we're glad that you joined us here on the Steelers fix. Thank you to all of our listeners. Keep coming back for more content here. For Andrew Wilbar, I'm Jeremy Betts. We'll talk to you next time.